young people. That was awesome. Brother Hamilton, when you came, when I was in seventh grade, I was never like this tall. When you, I was like, I, we were eye level in seventh grade. And uh, so, hey man, just kidding, but I'll pay you afterwards. I told him if he, if he said something nice, I'll give him some money. So, uh, amen. Well, how's everybody doing this evening? Amen. How many of you did not know that I was going to be here? And if you would have known, you would not have come. And so it's always the worst when you come in, you're expecting preacher to be there. And you're like, ah, bummer. But anyway, so I'm glad nobody walked out, at least that I saw. So praise the Lord for that. Well, I have a, I was, I was praying about, uh, about what, what exactly the Lord uh, would have me to bring tonight. And I have a I have a sermon, and that one is I'm going to save for that one. I believe I have something uh, uh, for Sunday night. And I believe the Lord made that very clear to me, and I was struggling and praying and asking the Lord uh, for tonight. So I had uh, I had gone through some different things, but uh, but I believe the Lord gave me some thoughts, and this would be more uh, of a you know what what you think of as, as a Bible study. Uh, but uh, but it's actually concerning New Year's, and so we're obviously not at Christmas yet. But oftentimes, uh, when it comes to New Year's, I'll wait like right till the day of New Year's and realize I'm already behind the eight ball because I should have been prepping ahead of time to like make resolutions and things. So uh, so New Year's right around the corner, and uh, so it's about like that dog that got his tail cut off. It won't be long now. And uh, so where's Alan? I lost Alan. So Alan is. Where's that? Oh, there he is. All right. So Alan, Alan's, Alan's an old man at heart. And so he's going to make a great dad one day. So he's got all kinds of corny dad jokes himself, but, uh, I'm thoroughly, I'm thoroughly enjoying the corduroy jackets that are coming back in. And because, you know, it kind of like sets me up like right away. So have you heard about the new corduroy pillows? They're making headlines everywhere. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it gets worse. This is bro. He was my youth pastor. Okay. So I have, I have more. There's more where that came from. Did you hear about the kidnapping in school? It's fine. He woke up. <clears throat> All right. What's the difference between a good joke and a bad joke? Timing. <clears throat> you know what's really odd? Numbers that aren't divisible by two. Does my wife think I'm a control freak? I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Some say I have an addiction to brake fluid that I can stop anytime I want. <laughs> they get worse, okay? <laughs> Velcro is a complete ripoff. <laughs> My wife asked me if I'd seen the dog bowl. I said, I didn't know he did. <laughs> Some of you ladies will appreciate this. I told my wife that she needed to embrace her mistakes, so she gave me a hug. <clears throat> I'm writing a book on reverse psychology. Please don't buy it. (laughs) And to whoever stole my copy of Microsoft Office, I will find you. You have my word. All right, take your Bibles and let's, uh, all right, take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 16. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. So it's one of those rainy days where I knew I had to have something to wake everybody up. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. And the Bible says here, uh, once you get there, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say we're All right, okay, so I'll give you one more second here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. 
And once you're there, if you would, uh, just read this verse aloud with me. Ready? Ephesians 5, 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Webster's 1828 uh, dictionary says to redeem time is to use more diligence in the improvement of it. To be diligent and active in duty and preparation. If you take your Bibles and turn to First, uh, First Chronicles, and we'll look at chapter number 29, First Chronicles chapter 29. And looking at verses 1 and 2, First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says here, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be made of gold, and the silver for the things of silver, and the brass for the things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. But the first part of that verse there, it says, Now I have prepared with all my might. And David prepared with all his might. He set up Solomon for success, and, uh, and we need to set ourselves up for success and, and obviously our, uh, those that follow us for success as well. And so there are a few weeks before we transition into a new year. Something about a new, a new year is, uh, you know, a new beginning. Uh, for some, it's, uh, uh, it's like a clean, uh, you know, it's, it's new, it's fresh. Uh, there's a, uh, a sense of a clean slate, you know, for the students in school. You know, a new semester means their demerit record is wiped. You know, they start with back to zero demerit, so that can be exciting for some that are almost not at the school. <laughs> and uh, so, but it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, but it's a sense of newness. And uh, and so, uh, so I want to talk to you tonight, uh, and and the title of uh, of the lesson in prepa- in preparation for a new year in preparation for a new year. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. And thank you, Lord, for our church family. And thank you for our pastor. And Lord, thank you for, uh, Lord, just his, uh, his investment, Lord, and his, uh, his answer to your call. And Lord, he's, uh, Lord, we're so, so blessed to have uh, the man of God that you've given us. I pray that you would be with him. And uh, Lord, just anoint him and bless his time in Israel and bless his family abundantly. Lord, thank you for, uh, for uh, the service that we have just now, and I pray that you'd use me just to be a blessing to these thy people. Lord, I know that in and of myself, Lord, I have nothing to offer, but God, I pray that you'd fill me with thy spirit, and I pray that you'd help us as we look at your word. I pray that you would please just meet with us in a special way this evening, and Lord, help us all be fed and come away with something, Lord, uh, that will be a help. In Jesus' name, amen. So in preparation for a new year, and uh, in preparation for a new, uh, new year, let's, number one, take time to remember what God has done for us this year. Let's take time to remember what God has done for us this year. Uh, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And Psalms has, obviously, a, just, a, just a whole book full of thanksgiving and a book of, uh, for us, you know, to help us remember. And Psalm 103, we'll start with verse number one. 
It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Then he goes in the next couple verses and lists all the benefits the Lord has for us. In verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Aren't you thankful for forgiveness this evening? And uh, then it says, Who healeth all thy diseases. If I took time and asked for testimonies, of healing, I'm sure there'd be hands up all over, all over this room. I remember us, uh, you know, I've been privileged to, uh, to be a part of uh, several times anointing, anointing someone with oil in preacher's office. And preacher keeps a list of those that, you know, he's prayed over and those that come, you know, to the elders of the church and, and ask for, for prayer for special needs. I, I, I don't believe I'll ever forget, uh, uh, ever forget Brother John Burroughs. And he had uh, he had this uh, a spot, and, he, and his eye was swollen, and even came up over over his eye, and uh, and we anointed, uh, and obviously healings of the Lord, and God can, and God's not on trial. God can heal. You know, we just want to act in faith and do what the Scripture says. And uh, but I remember praying, and then literally the next church service, his eye was completely healed, where he couldn't see, it was swollen over, and it was and there was a tumor, and it was gone, and that was a miracle. And that just reminds us of the healing power of our God. And it says, who healeth all thy diseases, verse 4, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Aren't you thankful for redemption? Aren't you thankful for salvation? I know in my life I'm thankful, I'm so thankful that uh, for God's mercy and his grace. And I look back and, uh, and I've you know, thought about it often, where my life would be had it not been you know, for, uh, for Bailey's Grove Baptist Church. And obviously Jesus Christ is who it's all about. And, uh, but if it, wasn't, you know, if it wasn't for the preaching and teaching of the word of God, it wasn't for people you know, that invested in my life, you know, where my life would be. And I know it, I know it, would, not be, uh, it would not be anything uh, remotely close to as awesome as I have it now. And it would be uh, pretty devastating. But who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse number five, I love this. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And uh, the Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all the oppressed. And uh, so it goes on and on and on. And, but, uh, but what I want us to, <clears throat> to look at is taking time. It says, forget not all his benefits. Take time to remember what God has done for you this year. And then express your gratitude. Be thankful. Uh, be thankful for the blessings of this past year. Uh, think about, you know, uh, we have, you know, with social media and so forth, you know, a lot of times you'll get, you know, memories or, you know, from this, you know, this, uh, you know, the past year, things like that, that'll, that'll pop up. And, uh, but look back and look through, uh, you know, look through your phone and look at all the pictures and start, you know, from January and think of the different people that God has placed in your life and the different, uh, and the different, you know, places maybe you were able to go or the different events you were able to attend or the different, uh, uh, the different opportunities that God has given you and hold them dear to your heart. Uh, take out your prayer list. And just look and look at all the things and and uh, and if and you know I think that's a good practice you know if you have a prayer list and write down the things you're praying for and then beside that you know write when God answers those prayers I'll never forget we uh, when Chloe was uh, before she was born I, I wrote out a list 
of the things that we that we needed. You know, I, I was new. I didn't know what it was, you know, to, to be a parent. I didn't know what we needed. But my wife had, had this list. I wrote down all the things that she wanted, you know, and, and all of our needs. And I wrote them down on a piece of paper. And there was over, uh, I think, I, I can't remember the exact count, but it was over 20 things, 20 specific items that I'd prayed for that we either needed. And there were some were just pure wants. I mean, it wasn't we needed it. We just, you know, it would be nice to have. And after she was born, and it, and, but every single one of those items, God provided for us. Every single one. And I went through and I was saying, I was like, man, God, this is awesome. And thank you, Lord. And God wants us to be thankful. God wants us to, to realize what he's done for us. And as we look back over, over the year, and uh, for that matter, look back over your life. And the creation, the fact that God created us, and the family that God has given us, and salvation. And we have so much to be thankful for. So in preparation for a new year, let's take time to remember what God has done for us this year. Secondly, in preparation for a new year, let's prioritize our lives in accordance with God's word. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6 in verse number 33. This is a familiar one. This is one that uh, I memorized as a teenager in song. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And uh, so Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. And uh, the context, if you'll, if you'll look back actually at verse number 24 to start off with, we'll come to 33 in a moment. But it starts with, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And this is a passage on priorities. Something has to come first. Either God comes first or money comes first. But you can't, you can't have two first places. And, uh, and he says, uh, and so this is a passage on priorities. Then he goes and talks about, you know, take no thought. That doesn't mean you don't need to, you know, think about, you know, and, and plan and prepare. But it means that you don't need to be anxious. And get uptight and where, well, what am I going to do? And, and, you know, knee jerk and say, well, I need to go, you know, do this. And God doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to have anxiety and be worried and filled with care. But uh, then you get down to verse, uh, verse number 32. It says, for after all these things do the Gentiles uh, seek. And actually verse number 31, just to give it a little bit, a little bit more running start. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And if you'll put God first and give him first priority in your life, everything else will fall into place. Everything will. And you can't always explain it. And sometimes you're like, man, this doesn't even make sense. But when you put God first, everything else falls in place. I was uh, I was uh, sharing a uh, uh, we were sharing blessings in the teachers meeting a few weeks ago, and uh, and somebody shared a financial blessing that was that just a weight uh, was on them and uh, they were carrying and how God you know God miraculously provided for that need and that weight was lifted. And, uh, and I said, you know, sometimes that is, that is the case. I said, even Lazarus, you know, when he died, he, he did die. He was dead for three days. <laughs> and, and then, and then afterward, God did the miracle. But you ever been there, you know, in like a financial crunch or something, you're like, you're trusting God, but God, I know I'm supposed to do this. You put your tithe in, you don't see the answer. And then it's not necessarily on the timing you would pick, but God always comes through. 
and always. And uh, sometimes we might think, man, well, this is, you know, am I, what, what's going to happen? But God always, always comes through. And sometimes it's later than we anticipated, but God always comes through and it gets the glory that way. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number three. You don't have to turn to these. I'll just read these two briefly. Exodus 23 says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Priority. Colossians 1.18, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Revelation 4.11, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I want to make sure my priorities are lined up with God's priorities. I want to, I want to live my life to be pleasing to God. I want God to be pleased with my life this upcoming year, this year and this current year. Uh, Proverbs 3 and verse number 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Second Corinthians 8, 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. Mark eight thirty four. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And when it comes to God's commandments, his commandments come before my desires. His commandments come before my emotions. His commandments come before my feelings or my thoughts. And uh, in the Bible, you know, God, God tells us things, and sometimes we just we don't understand. And remember when Naaman, the leper, came to Elisha, and Elisha sent Gehazi, you know, to go and, and, uh, and talk, talk to Naaman, and uh, then told him to go and, and dip in the Jordan River. Well, after he did that, he obeyed finally, and, he, and, he, and he's healed and cleansed. He comes back, and he offers Elisha all this money. And all these, you know, all these changes of clothes and the nicest, you know, things you can imagine. And Elisha says, and he said, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to take any of these things. I just want God to be glorified. I want you to know there's a God in Israel. Well, Gehazi goes and after, after uh, you know, after Naaman leaves, he chases him down and says, hey, you know, we had some, we had some visitors. And, uh, and, and Elisha just wanted to see if, you know, that some of that stuff was still available. And he takes it. And when he comes back. Elisha already knew he was gone, and he, and he told Gehazi, he said, he said where, where, where'd you go? And Gehazi said, that, that servant went, no, uh, went nowhere there. He said, I didn't go anywhere. And he was dishonest with the man of God, and he said, didn't my heart go with you when you departed, when you left? As soon as you turned, didn't my heart go with you? And then he said this. He said, is it a time to receive? And in that time, it wasn't time to receive. Now, Gehazi, he didn't understand that. But it wasn't a time to receive. And then the rest of his life he spent as a leper because he didn't, he didn't, he didn't follow God's instruction. And he wanted something. He wanted it now. And it wasn't God's timing. But God's commandments above my desires, above my emotions or my feelings or my thoughts. We've got to get back to the Bible. If God said it, that settles it. In John 6, uh, 67, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Second Timothy chapter three, verse number 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, and it mentions four things, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For doctrine, that means it teaches, doctrine, uh, doctrine teaches us what is right. Doctrine teaches us what is right. The Bible gives clear direction on what's right and what's wrong. If we want to believe and walk in truth, we must spend time in God's word. One of the outflows of that will be developing personal standards based on biblical convictions 
from God's word. That's why Daniel, Daniel knew what was right. And the Bible says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Why? Because he knew it was right. He had been taught doctrine. And, uh, and God he gives us his word to teach us what is right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were going, they were going to do what was right regardless of the cost. And the king had made the commandment and said, you're going to get thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. That didn't affect them. They said, we're going to do what's right. Why? Doctrine. They said, this is right. We're going to do it regardless of, regardless of what it's cost. If it's right, then let's do it. You know, uh, you know the Bible hasn't changed. Um, I was listening to, uh, uh, to Dr. Treber on Sunday. I got, I got off the bus, and I came in the auditorium. I was just uh, wrapping some things up. And, and he, he preached a hot, uh, a hot sermon on Sunday morning. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was on KNBBC, and it was playing over the. So I turned on my KNBBC app and listened to it all the way home. And, uh, but but on, on the message, he was talking about, uh, he mentioned that, that now the world says, and medical, whatever, just the, it's not scientific, but the world says there are over 60 genders. There are two genders, male and female. God created, he, male and female created he them. And God tells us in his word. And so people get so smart, they just get absolutely absurd, ridiculous. And the further and further we get away from God, the, uh, just the worse and worse our nation becomes. But doctrine teaches us what is right. This is absolutely uh, disheartening and uh and, and, and a sad thing, but this was, uh, this was published in uh, the Washington Stand, and, and I'm just going to read it to you. It says, for conservatives who spent the better part of six months in the trenches for an institution Republicans have always stood for, there are plenty of sad storylines from Tuesday night's marriage vote. Perhaps the saddest, at least to the movement's veterans, was watching men and women they trusted try to justify the abandonment of their longtime principles. Some didn't bother. Others, like uh, Senator Todd Young, uh, took to the pages of their state's newspapers to mitigate the damage back home. And then there was Cynthia Loomis, Republican senator of Wyoming, whose tragic and flawed thought process was laid bare for everyone to see and lament. In an all-black outfit for a funeral of freedom, Loomis talked about the personal journey that led her to betray her faith and base. It was, in quote, uh, quote, unquote, a painful exercise in accepting admonishment, Loomis admitted. There was fairly brutal self uh, excuse me, I'll start over. There was fairly brutal self-soul-searching, which she admitted was entirely, entirely avoidable had I simply chosen to vote no. For a full minute, Loomis launched into a series of compelling reasons to oppose the bill, arguments that should have talked her out of this misguided path. The Bible teaches that marriage is between one man and one woman, she said. I accept God's word, including God's word as to the definition of marriage. I support my church's adherence to that biblical pronouncement. I support Wyoming's statute, which codifies that definition. I find solace in people and organizations that share my beliefs. Then, in a surprisingly candid twist, Loomis talked about the hostility she experienced from the left for her views. I, and many like me, have been vilified and despised by someone, some who disagree with our beliefs. They do not withhold bitter invective. They use their own hateful speech to make sure that I and others who believe as I do now that we are hated 
and despised by them. Then looking up for her, from her script, Loomis said pointedly that people on the conservative side of marriage can relate to ill treatment. So why stray? Why turn her back on years of personal and public conviction? Because in Loomis' mind, surrender is the only way to prove her tolerance. These are turbulent times for our nation, she said soberly. Americans address each other in more crude and cruel terms than ever in my lifetime, she insisted. From those who advocate for tolerance, we do well by taking this step, not embracing or validating each other's devoutly held views, but by the simple act of tolerating them. And that, Madam President, explains my vote. Unfortunately, it explains more than Loomis' vote. It explains the collapse of Christian courage. Like Senator Young, who wrote that dignity and respect are not a zero-sum proposition. And uh, Loomis conflates civility with conformity. Decency has never required compromise, a fact that Governor Ron DeSantis should have proven to every Republican by now. And even if we did redefine tolerance to include the, dis, uh, the disregarding of our sincerely held beliefs, as Loomis argues, guess what? There are the terms uh, the other side will never agree to. And so, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop reading there, but this was a lady who knew it was right, and yet caved because she didn't she didn't want to didn't want to uh, ruffle feathers. But God, whatever God says is right is right, and whatever God says is wrong is wrong, and there shouldn't be any question or argument. It's just what God says goes, and in our lives we have to. And, and so the the danger is is when we compromise in our lives, those that come behind us. They'll go even. Fur- they'll take another step, even even further in the wrong direction. Outside of truth, there is no limit to how far you'll go, and, and the just the depravity of man. And so, doctrine doctrine it teaches us what is right. Uh, Senator, you know, our, our our both our senators voted for this uh, disrespect for marriage act. And uh, but Senator Burr, one of the things I, I mentioned this in my Sunday school class on Sunday. But Richard Burr's victory speech, I remember, I remembered it vividly because it was like one of the best speeches I'd ever heard. I was like so excited about it. And uh, Richard Burr's victory speech telling the story of his dad in a sermon he preached. His dad was a pastor. And he preached a sermon entitled, entitled Where the Action Is. And he says, and I won't quote it all, but he said, I was with a group of men along the Pacific when we received news that the world was over. The waves washed the bodies of soldiers upon the shore and splashed against them as if to say, wake up. These were his fellow comrades in arms, these men that fought with him that had died there, their bodies washing up on the shore. He talked about the, the feeling of, you know, just the kind of the, the torn, torn emotions that he had back in America, their celebration and parades, and, and here he is, and he's with his comrades, and he sees the, his buddies that have, that have died. And here's the statement that he made, Richard Burr's dad, that Richard Burr quoted when, when he was, when he, on his acceptance speech, what is gained by ultimate sacrifice is only kept by unremitting effort. What is gained through ultimate sacrifice is only kept through unremitting effort. And unremitting effort doesn't compromise an area of doctrine. And, and, uh, and what a, what an unfortunate what an unfortunate thing, but, but when it comes to us and our lives, we can't, you know, we can't answer for anybody else, but we answer for ourselves. And what God says, if it's right, it's right. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. That's doctrine. Doctrine teaches us what is right. Reproof. So uh, back to my verse and, uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16. So it's profitable for doctrine. 
It's also profitable for reproof. Reproof points out where we are wrong. The Holy Spirit often uses his word to convict us of sin and point out where we are grieving him. Uh, this, is a, this is an important reminder for, for all of us and as we, as we rear our children. But freedom comes from self-restraint, not self-indulgence. And the, and and when we when we choose not to indulge in what was what is wrong, that 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 results in freedom. When God says no, it means no, and that which is forbidden is out of the question. It is not to be looked at, is not to be dwelt upon, and it's certainly not to be acted on. And if God says no, that's that means no. And so there's doctrine, there's reproof, and then there's correction. It is profitable for correction. Correction leads us how to get right. How to get right. God's word does more than just condemn wrongdoing. It shows us how we can gain restored fellowship with God and begin living a purified life. Aren't you thankful for correction? And God doesn't just hammer us and just leave us there, but he corrects us and, and binds us and, and puts us on the right path. And that's what correction does. And that's all through the scripture. Scripture is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for, uh, for a proof. It's profitable for correction. And then it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. And instruction teaches us how to go forward on the right path. Through his word, God nurtures and cultivates. So place the appropriate value on things. And uh, church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, soul winning, fasting, serving, tithing, and giving. Giving of your talents and abilities to the Lord. Our priority is demonstrated by what we put first every time we have a schedule conflict. And that's where our, that's where our priority really lies. And it's one thing to be, you know, like the acceptance speech. And anybody can get up and say something. But you speak a whole lot louder with your actions than with your words. And if your words and actions don't match, that, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't bide well or, or, or bode well. Uh, so I said, I said, number one, in preparation for the new year, let's take time to remember what God has done for us. Uh, number two, let's prioritize our lives in accordance to God's word. And thirdly, let's honestly assess where we are. Let's honestly assess where we are. Often we give ourselves a higher estimation in an area than we really, we, in other words, we, we, we sometimes think we're doing a whole lot better in the area than we actually are. <laughs> and, uh, but if we'll honestly evaluate and take this time at the end of the year, a few weeks into a new year, but honestly evaluate yourself and give yourself a spiritual assessment. Look at your church attendance, say, you know, and look at it and say, you know, was, was I in church as, faith, as faithful as I, you know, think I was? And look back and, and see when you were there, when you weren't. Look at your Bible reading. Do you have a Bible reading chart? You know, you can look at the days. If you got one of those little daily checkoff lists, you know, did I read my Bible consistently? Did I read my Bible every day? Did I pray daily? Uh, how much time did I spend in prayer? And honestly evaluate. Uh, uh, when it comes to fasting, did I, did I make any progress in, in, in fasting? Have I, have I grown in that area of my Christian life? And at the end of the year is a great, uh, a great overview. Uh, you know, and it can go, you know, way beyond that to, uh, you know, spiritual and then just in, in your relationships, you know, how many, how many dates did I take my wife on? Did I, uh, did I take my, my daughter on any dates? Did I, uh, did I teach my, uh, did I teach, spend time training my son and, uh, and, and teaching him, uh, uh you know, uh, brother Clint Cavanis in his book, I won't take time to read through it, uh, right now, but there's a, there's a chapter and the chapter is entitled manhood lessons. And he just, and he sat down and wrote out, uh, you know, just, just several things he wanted his, his sons to know by the time they left his home. 
And, uh, and, I, and just for me, it was, you know, uh, thought provoking. And, and, you know, so I, so I started compiling a list and he started when his sons were eight, he started every other week, just working on them with different things. And, uh, you know, some things as, uh, you know, as simple as, uh, you know, uh, changing a tire, uh, to, you know, to preparing a lesson or preaching a sermon, but he, but he, but he systematically came up with a plan and said, you know, these are, these are the things I want my son to know. And, uh, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, invest. And so honestly, assess where we are. Where are we in our, in our walk with God? How are my relationships? Uh, you know, how's my relationship with my spouse? Ask your spouse. And sometimes we think we're doing, you know, especially as men, we think we're doing pretty good. And then we ask our wives and we're like, you know, the deflates. And uh, so, uh, but ask, but ask your spouse, uh, when it comes to your children, ask your children, you know, uh, you, do you feel like you have, you know, a lot, do you feel like you have, uh, dad's undivided attention? Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like we spend time together? Do you, and, but ask, ask your children, ask, uh, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to work and, uh, but give you, you know, if you want an honest assessment, ask your boss <laughs> and, uh, that'll give you, you know, sometimes we like to think we're doing really, really good. And, uh, and sometimes our boss doesn't think so. And, uh, but ask, uh, but ask, but ask somebody else instead of just, just yourself, but get an honest evaluation. Are there some things, you know, Colossians 3, and, and it talks about things we ought to put off and things we ought to put on. And if I don't take time to read through it right now, that whole list, but, but go through that list. You know, am I, is, it, is it common for me to be angry? Is it common for me to be malicious? Is it common for me to be, you know, flustered and, and frustrated all the time? Or, and, but, but, give ourselves an, but give yourselves an honest evaluation. Are, are there some things I need to put off? Are there some things I need to put on? It mentions bowels of mercy. Am I kind? Am I kind with my words? Am I kind with the tone? Uh, I remember somebody uh, challenging us one time, I think in a, uh, maybe a, a teacher orientation. And, but, the, but the challenge was, you know, put a, uh, put a recorder on yourself all day long. And then after, at the end of the day, go back through and listen to yourself. Listen to what you've said. Listen to the tone of your voice. That's a that's a thought provoking uh, exercise. I didn't do it because I, I knew I'd, do, I'd fail. And but uh, but uh, but honestly, assess where we are. Uh, number four, have an objective. Have an have an objective. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter twenty nine. In fact, if you turn over there, look at Proverbs chapter twenty nine, verse number eighteen. Proverbs chapter twenty nine, verse number eighteen. Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I remember, you know, reading that verse and say, oh, yeah, I need I need a vision. But but oftentimes uh, Proverbs will uh, will kind of explain itself even within the even within the verse. And so look at the second part, though. So you have uh, so in verse number uh, verse number 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. You know what vision is referring to in that verse? It's talking about the word of God. Where there is no word of God, the people perish. There's not, there's not a vision. There's not a, uh, the Bible mentions that word. It says in, in Samuel, remember how, how God called to Samuel, 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 and Samuel ran to Eli. Remember that story? 
And the Bible says uh, it talked about the the uh, the vision. There was no open vision in that day. The the word of God, in other words, it was it was a lot more rare. You know, we have we have Bibles today. You know, we have them in our you know in our car. We got one. You know, we keep at church just in case, and we got one. We keep at the school, and we got you know several laying around the house. And but but the vision is referring to the word of God. And so where there is no vision, the people perish. And but get a vision. From the vision, from the word, that's the secret to, pro, to prosper, uh, prosperity. Like almost everything in life, the higher the objective, the greater the sacrifice required. And God's, you know, God's word, it doesn't just demand, you know, a part-time, you know, adherence. It demands all of us. And it's constantly walking with God, obeying his commandments, and being close, you know, being close, close to the Lord. And, but it comes uh, from a close relationship to the word of God. Second Peter 3.18 says, but grow in grace. And then, and then the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And so God wants us to grow. Uh, I, was, I was talking to the, uh, the students today and I, pr- I preached a message. And, uh, and, and, and part of the illustration was, was basketball. Uh, but Pistol Pete was one of the all-time greats, you know, in, in, in basketball, in the NBA. I watched a, I watched a clip of him uh, on, on YouTube, and at the end of his life, I think it was after, I don't know if it was during his NBA career or after, shortly thereafter, but he gives testimony of accepting Jesus Christ as a Savior. And he said this, he said, I wish I were known for my love for Christ more than, I was, than I'm known for my love for basketball. And that was the end of his life. In other words, he said, if I could go back, I would, I would do things differently. When he was a boy, uh, his dad, uh, his dad encouraged him. And even as a, even as a little kid, his dad, you know, worked with him with basketball. Like even as a kid, he was like dribbling two balls at one time and, uh, you know, just, and his, and, and he was, you know, blowing, uh, you know, he was, he was playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers, like all throughout his, you know, all throughout his career. And, uh, even, even the all time greats, you know, when they talk about Pistol Pete, they some say it was like he had a, it was like a, the basketball was like a yo-yo. He could just control it, do whatever he wanted, pass it wherever. He's like, he's called the magician. And, uh, and he was, he was just unbelievable with the basketball. A reporter asked him, he said, uh, he said, Pistol, he said, he said, when you were a kid, he said, how much time did you spend with a basketball? Dribbling a basketball, shooting a basketball. How much time do you spend with a basketball? He said, in the summertime, he said, as a kid, I spent no less than eight hours a day with a basketball. He said in the wintertime, it was about four hours a day. And that was with, that was, and obviously he was good at what he did. But imagine if we did that with the word of God. Imagine if the word of God was really that important to us. And we thought about the word of God. We meditated on the word of God. Take your Bible and turn to Joshua chapter one. And, and here we find the secret to prosperity. God gives us the formula in Joshua chapter one. In verse number seven, Joshua one, seven and eight, the Bible says, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse number eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according all, to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And the more time we spend in the Word of God, we're going to be even better Christians. 
And the more we saturate our heart and our mind with the word of God, uh, Brother Hamilton's uh, uh, life verse that he taught me without seeing you, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word and according to the law of God and what God says, tells us in, in his word. But have an objective. Spend time in the word of God. Spend much time in the word of God. Memorizing verses. Uh, reading the word of God. Preacher admonished us recently to study the word of God. And oftentimes in, in scripture, do you know that when you come across a word in the Bible you don't understand? You can go back and, and a lot of time, if, it's a, if you know, in, in the word of God, if you find a word, you just go back to the first time the word is used. And a lot of time it defines itself. Or it'll just define itself in context, you know, with, uh, with the passage you're reading. But study the Word of God. And the, and the greatest commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God. <laughs> and But spend t- time on the Word of God and learn the Word of God and apply the Word of God. And as soon as God shows you something, apply it right away. And don't just be hearers and deceiving ourselves. That's, that's the way, like the quickest way to be self-deceived. And that's what conceit is, is self-deception. The quickest way for us to be self-deceived is to hear the Word of God and then not apply it. But when you hear something from the word of God, apply it right away. As soon as God speaks to your heart, apply it to your life. And but have an objective and live life on purpose, not reactive living. And uh, but we, you know, but being at church every time the doors are open, no questions, no exceptions. And uh, and and once again, uh, our our priorities are are based, you know, when when there is a conflict and that shows uh, that shows you know, demonstrates where our priorities lie. And but uh, the important things in life do not clamor for our time. Some things are going to have to get left undone, but we have to on purpose. The important things, those are the things that that you schedule and you do them. And uh, the word of God won't, you know, send off notifications. Now, I guess if you got it on your phone, I guess you could do that. If you had the word of God, ding, 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 read your Bible. And uh, maybe you could do that. But but the word of God, as far as this, this book is not going to say, ding, open me up, read me. And I mean, unimportant things will clamor for your time constantly, you know, uh, you know, ding, ding, ding. And uh, I can't, I, I can't, uh, I, I, as far as like going on, you know, if I go on YouTube to look, you know, for a video or something has all these related and like, they're like all super fascinating. Like you could spend like hours just binge watching, you know, on related videos or whatever, whatever it is. And, but the word of God is not, not like that. It's not going to, it's not going to jump out at you and say, read me. And, uh, and so, but, but have an objective and, uh, and let the, let the vision, the word of God, give you vision for your life. Next, fifthly, as far as, as pertaining to uh, in preparation for a new year, uh, chart a course or have a plan. Set a goal for where you want to be. Uh, think about uh, uh, you know, think about where you're going according to the word of God. And once you've spent time in the word of God and listened to the preaching and teaching of the word of God, chart a course. Uh, we went to a, a basketball tournament, uh, on last year and brother Donald Wright drove for us and, uh, drove the, drove the big tour bus. And, uh, and, and, uh, but anyway, so, but he had, a, he had the whole thing charted out. Like he knew exactly, you know, he's like, okay, we need to leave it this time to get there by this time. Oh, there he is. I'm looking for your brother Donald, but he had, he had that thing. He was, it was down to a T and we were going to, we had to make it to the hotel, you know, before the service and all those things. And, but he had already looked up, you know, all the stops along the way. Okay. We can stop here and fuel up. And while we're fueling up, there are two gas, there are two restaurants inside this gas station. So the kids can eat there. And uh, he had it all planned out. And uh, we, we just sat back and enjoyed the ride because he had it all. He had a, he had a, uh, a destination, but he charted the course. He had a plan. And what I want to encourage us all to do when we come to this new year, chart a course and, uh, and, and think ahead and schedule church in your calendar and schedule a time to go soul winning. You say, man, I want to be a better soul winner. 
schedule a time to do it, a weekly time to go out soul winning. And, uh, but put it in your calendar. We'll get scheduled, gets done. Amen. And, but schedule a time to go soul winning, schedule a time to pray, schedule a time to read your Bible. Proverbs eight thirty four said, blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. God wants us in his word daily. Schedule a time to take your wife on a date. Schedule a time to take your daughter on a date or schedule manhood lessons with your son. And, uh, but, but schedule, uh, but schedule these things, make these things important in your life and, and set up, uh, set a time in your calendar for each of them. And, but chart a course, have a plan in preparation for a new year. Let's chart a course. Let's work your plan, execute. And Joshua one seven there, it says only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. God wants us to to do what we've set out to do. But uh, uh, Wendell Evans in college, he said, he said this, oftentimes I heard him say, have a plan, work your plan, don't get sidetracked. Have a plan, work your plan, don't get sidetracked. And then lastly, in preparation for a new year, let's take time to remember what God has done for us this year. Let's take time to prioritize our lives in accordance with God's word. Let's take time to honestly assess where we are, have an objective for the upcoming year, chart a course, work our plan. And lastly, when you fall, get back up, get back up right away. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And you know, the athletes that I enjoy watching on the ball court, those with heart, those when they get beat, Man, they chase the guy down, they steal the ball back. Or if they get blocked, they go and get the rebound and shoot it again. And but that's but that's but that's somebody that's that that they fall and they get back up. They just jump back up right away. It's called mental and you know, in, in sports they call it mental toughness. And uh and but God wants us God wants us to be that way in our Christian lives. There's sometimes where where we're gonna set goals. I've done that before, set a goal in my life and say, I'm going to do this. And I remember one time I told preacher, I was like, all right, preacher, I'm going to, I got this goal. And I can't remember what it was. I'm going to witness to 10 people, uh, 10 people every week. And he said, oh, he's like, that's good. He said, let's start with five. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. And uh, so, but you know, sometimes you set lofty goals for yourself. You know, I'm going to be benching 400 pounds by the end of the year. And you're like, eh. and, uh, but, uh, but, but when you fall, you know, get back up. Sometimes you got to adjust them a little bit, adjust the goals, uh, just a little bit, but a new year and coming into a new year is a great time to set the reset button on some things we know we ought to be doing. And, uh, and it's a good time to hit the reset button. Maybe we've let some things kind of slide or maybe let some things get into our life and it's time to cut the fat, trim the fat, weed those things out. And, uh, but anyway, let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us. And Lord, impress.